Hello, listeners. It's truly our pleasure to have you join us for this weekly segment of our program called Hearer Voices from the People Who Bring You ICU Talks. Today, we'll take a few minutes to revisit the messages from our most recent event and dig a little deeper into the content and meaning of what we heard. So now, it's our great pleasure to begin this episode of Hear Voices. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks all listeners for joining us. Today we have a remote interview. It's our first of its kind. But let's get right to it. We have Kim Honeycutt. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> we have Danielle Justice. Ooh. And we and we have Stara Payne, who was a speaker at our most recent event. And what a really ridiculous speaker she was. And you know, I love ridiculous the, in the best way. Possible. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> Because Star, like, first of all, thank you for doing this. I know you travel a lot with the type of work that you have and that you are came all the way, I think at the time you were in Minnesota, Costa Rica, you were somewhere. And you came, you came to Charlotte to be a part of what we do, what IC Talks is all about, and that is giving someone a platform who otherwise wouldn't have a place to share their story. And, and I just sincerely want you to know, you did such a good job. People really connected with you. I appreciate that. It was definitely one of the more nerve-wracking things I've done in my life. So I'm glad to know that I was able to reach even just one person. And I appreciate the opportunity to do it. Yeah, so will you will you tell your story like in, you know, like just a couple of sentences for people who may not have heard, were not there that night or they live somewhere else or they're checking into our podcast or hear voices podcast yeah um basically my talk was how you know i had been sexually abused and i had missing been misinformed at a church that i had gone to about you know the bibles you could read and taking medications and depression and all of that just really shaped who i was as an adult and i ended up being extremely self-destructive in basically any way possible and how when I finally found the right churches and the right Christian environment, how I could really see God for what he was and see how he loved me for what I was. Wow, what a powerful mm-hmm. statement. So you felt like he could see you. So you started realizing who he says you are and not who the abuse was saying you were, the lies that came from all that abuse. Yes, that. And I also saw him for who he was. I was mm. terrified of God. I felt like... I wasn't good enough, I wasn't enough because, you know, I had to take medication for depression and because I, you know, I wasn't the perfect weight and I was, I didn't understand a King James version of a Bible and so I felt like I had no chance of being a Christian and so I just gave up on trying. We have such um, similar stories and it's just so interesting to me how um, we view ourselves as so unclean Mm. um i think that has a lot to do with um sexual molestation sexual abuse and so um it is a really defining moment i think like you said you had a really defining moment of like oh he does accept me for just how i am on medication maybe a few extra pounds like just as you are i think that's pretty cool yeah and i think just the idea of knowing that what came in your life that was unclean was 
would never be what God would want for you. Like that was not from him. And for you to have such horrific sexual abuse and still find him was really cool. Yeah, and I just am so grateful that, I mean, even before I knew God, even before I, my family ever went to church or anything, I knew in the back of my mind that he existed somehow, some way. And so I'm so grateful I always had that in me because it definitely made things easier. And so, I mean, honestly, this is crazy to say now, but honestly, if I hadn't had that hellfire and brimstone version of God, I honestly probably would have killed myself around the age of 14 just because I was just so in turmoil. And the reason I didn't is I feared great. I feared more than anything going to hell. I felt like if my life is this horrible, imagine what eternity in hell is going to be like. And that was what kept me alive. So as much as it wasn't how you want a person to have their, you know, knowledge or relationship of God shaped, it definitely did go a long way to keep me here. It sounds like you just, like, at least you knew, like, you had a foundation and that you knew that there was a God of love. It was just Um, a little twisted I don't know that I knew so much the God of love part, honestly. You just knew he existed. I just knew he existed and that the options were heaven or hell. I knew I wasn't quite, like, good enough for heaven, but I definitely wasn't going to try to avoid hell. Yeah, and I, so interesting story that, like, the lie that you would go to hell for ending your life because of mental illness is what brought you to truth. And what brought you that to that was something that was out of your control. Like, someone else's sickness yes. and, and... Someone else's sickness. Someone else's sickness was put forced on you without your control, and you took all of that in so much that you contemplated ending your life. Right, right. So, Star, so one, one thing that you said that we think I think we can just use the opportunity to give a little bit more clarity is you were talking about you're starting to hit bottom, you were struggling with your self-destruction, and that you were trying to find a psychotherapist, and then there was a struggle because there was a conflict of interest. Can you, can you just touch on what that was like that you couldn't find a therapist, and maybe you can tell a little bit about what it's like to be from that type town and what was being held against you? Okay, so... On a personal level, what it felt like not to be able to find a therapist was honestly like beating my head against the wall because it seemed like the more I knew that that was what I needed, the further it was from something that I could get. And I finally was ready and I was committed and I was excited about getting better and being better and I couldn't find anybody to talk to me. And so the reason for that was um, around the same time, that I was looking for help, my brother had actually just been put in prison, and he actually had, him and his wife had struggled with mental illness and addiction, both of them, and he ended up, he snapped, and he hit bottom, and he shot his wife's boyfriend, and her mom, and his mom, excuse me, and his wife's boyfriend's mom, (coughs) and so in a town of less than 10,000 people, Mm. I mean, Mm. you know, the majority of the town was impacted and affected. And so when I was trying to find therapists, as soon as they found out that my brother was the one who had done that, there was conflicts of interest because they were seeing people on the other side of the issue. Wow. 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 So that's a whole part of your story you didn't share. 
That's another, maybe mm-hmm. that's next year's right? topic. But, but just, it, but it's still your resiliency mm-hmm. without even sharing that part was so evident. That's what people connected to. Yeah. Is that you, every door for pain opened, any door for solution was closing. And you still kept going until you found the door that opened up and let you learn about who you are and who God says you are. I mean, how, how does that happen? People, people get their car keyed and they give up on God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it honestly, even when I was three and four, my mom had watched me get molested on the trampoline. And her solution to that was for me to go to my room until my dad can get home and deal with me. Mm. Oh, wow. So even at three or four, yeah. I was punished for being sexually abused. So then, of course, when it happens later, I mean, right. I certainly wasn't going to tell her. Yeah, there's, a, there's such a revictimization that happens, but just from the get-go that your mom's own struggle, and I, again, I know I know she's a good one, but her own struggle just caused the blame they put on a three-year-old, as if a child would ever want that yeah. at any age. That's just hard. Maybe at that age, you just, maybe from mom's perspective, you think, you just like pray that it'll, or like it's, she's not going to remember it or it's going to go away, you know? Right. Like, who knows? That's a whole other... Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, I definitely, I love my mom so much, and her and I have a way better relationship now than I ever thought we would. But, you know, and I know she did the best that she could. So, and it's kind of like, you know, Kim and I talk a lot about how I'm who I am in spite of everything Mm -hmm. as much as because of everything. Mm, That's good. So, yeah, as far as what happened there and, um, the people that were involved. So you had pastors that were involved. You had um, inpatient treatment center people involved with your story, your mom. And um, a lot of that came down to people you maybe couldn't trust at the time. If, if, is that a fair statement? Oh, that's 100% fair because, I mean, I remember being in high school and, oh gosh, therapist number four or five told me everything I told her, she's going to once a month meet with my parents and tell them everything. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't confide in somebody who's going to tell my parents. Yeah. So how how do you deal with stuff today? How are your relationships with folks? Um, I'm sure it has an effect on it, but are you able to trust people today? Oh, definitely. I, um, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic with people. I still, if anything, I have an issue not oversharing in the beginning just because I kind of feel like, let me just get all this out here so you can, you know, we can see how you're going to react and see if this is worth investing my time in. But, yeah, I've been in therapy with Kim once a week for three and a half years, and that's helped tremendously. Um, I've really learned to love and accept my mom where she is and for who she is, and that's made a huge difference in our relationship, which has definitely carried over into other relationships. Yeah, I would love to, to for you to expand on the miracle relationship you have with your mom and that you now trust the God within people in your life. But can you tell first how you even came to therapy three and a half years ago, what God did for you there? This is my favorite story. Okay, so I work pipeline construction. I travel all over the country for three months to a year and then go to a new spot. So I've gotten offered a job in Charlotte. And I went a few weeks early to go to South Carolina and help with flood relief. And while I was there, we found out that our job got pushed back because um, because of the weather up in North Carolina. So I went to North Carolina, and it's kind of bored, so I got a waitressing job. And I 
uh, restaurant and worked. The second day I was there, I was looking for a church, and these guys came in with their or with their Grace Covenant shirts on. So I thought, well, I'll ask them. It happened to be Monday. They had a Monday night church service, so I went there. And then from there, one of those guys got me into like a youth, a single young adult group. So I went to the group, and this lady invited me to Evening Grace. And so Kim was speaking at Evening Grace is how I found her. But in the meantime, I had actually been fired from the waitressing job for not fitting in. And the girl, which is crazy. Not fitting in, right? I'm like the the biggest faker ever. Trust me, I fit in. But, and then um, the girl and I that I went there with, we had like this really good connection. And then honestly, as soon as I went to Evening Grace with her, we just drifted apart. And it was just like all of these little weird things that had to happen for me to ever be at this evening grace to hear Kim speak. And I'm not typically an emotional person, but as soon as Kim started talking, I started bawling the whole entire time she was talking. And I went up to her and I was just like, will you be my therapist? And she <laughs> said that she would. And so three and a half years later, here we are. And I remember that night at Grace Covenant Church praying over you and just getting visions of the people that you're going to help. And I just got struck with the Lord telling me that you're going to help people that I could never, ever help. And to be a part of this for three and a half years, to see you so much closer. You've been helping people the whole time, but you've allowed it to be about your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself. And it's leading you to this great vision you have about a treatment center and all these things that your heart's telling you to do. And it's been an absolute honor to walk beside you in that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I remember you saying that too, and I was like, okay, this lady's crazy, but I'm going to go with it because... She is crazy. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Did she tell you it'd take three and a half years, the story? I got no, like, just a couple months or something. You're like, you're like, yeah, I've got some stuff to work through, so you're like, Listen, I told you it would be slow. I told you to think about that sign that says slow children at play. And that that is therapy. That is what therapy is. It is a slow process, everybody. Sometimes I feel like my trains broke down. Sorry about that. Left that part out. Yeah, so been so much progress. And again, it's such a slow process because the more trauma you have, the more you have to just slowly digest. I think that's a good truth. point, though, for our listeners to know that sometimes it doesn't just happen. Like, I think we live in a world that wants immediate results. Like, you want to go to therapy one time and wake up and feel better. Right. And, like, sometimes it takes three and a half yeah. years. Listen, and I, I want to play piano without taking lessons. Yeah. All right? I want to sound like Beethoven day one, right? And it just doesn't happen that way. Start with a harmonica. <laughs> Listen, I jammed that night, for those of you who don't did. know. I do play harmonica once Inside a year. Once I, once a year I play harmonica. It was very good. Well, thank you, darling. So, so Star, so you've done so much. So can you just tell us, just real quick, you know, what's it like to be looking people in the eyes, be looking in the mirror, being okay with yourself, be being having boundaries with your mom? Like, how's that been for you? Um, it's honestly surreal sometimes because... I think about, you know, how I actually stand up to my, not stand up to my mom, but how I do tell her no on things and how I don't let her just run everything like I used to. And it's, I don't know, it honestly feels weird sometimes. It feels like I'm not really me because I can't imagine me ever doing that. 
But then when I look back at, like, we just got back from the Dominican Republic together. Mm. And that is, like, we couldn't be in the house house together for three hours before, wow. you know, six years ago. Wow. And so we just spent 10 days in the Dominican Republic together. And honestly, I'm just so thankful and grateful that we can have those connections. But if I didn't have the boundaries to say, okay, I'm going to go in my room and read. Or, no, I don't want to ride on the back of a scooter with you driving in this crazy country. Right? <laughs> boundaries. Boundaries. Yeah. Life-saving boundaries. Exactly. Literally life-saving boundaries, yes. Uh, so I love what you just said. I hope our listeners really just focus on what she just said, that the reason why she's good with her mom today is that she inserted, story inserted her own needs into relationships, took the fear out. And she let it be about what she needed, and that's actually let them get closer together. Before that, it was always about her mom and what her mom needed. And it has to be a two-way street. It has to be. So good. So, so Star, what was... So, before we close this up, is there anything that you would have liked to have said that night? Or any final message you want for our, our Hear Voices listeners? I mean, truthfully, I don't remember what I said that night. Which I <laughs> That's how it usually happens. So that I'm not sitting here doubting and second guessing myself. Mm. Um, I'm just honestly grateful for the opportunity to do it and to be able to show myself that I can do it because, as you and I've talked about, we both feel like there's more of this in my future. Mm-hmm. And so I think that just, you know having such a safe place to go and having such a non-judgmental loving place to go for my first time doing anything like that is an amazing amazing thing for me and I mean I'm just so grateful for all the people that talk to me afterwards and you know about their stories and churches they grew up in and things like that and it's so empowering to realize that that little church in Grand Rapids isn't the only one doing that because then you realize that I'm not alone in this, and it's it's just amazing how much of a difference that makes you makes in you when you realize that so many other people have dealt with the same things. Right, absolutely. So, Star, you're you're amazing. You're a star, as I told you the first night that I met you. Oh wow! You are a star, and you know it's not by chance your last name is Payne, but you are a conqueror of all that pain, and you're an inspiration to all of us. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you all. Thank you, Star. Thanks Thanks so much for joining us. Bye. Thanks again for joining us. ICU Talks is a mental health ministry founded on God, education, validation, and community. ICU Talks hosts live events that occur on the third Tuesday of every month allowing people to come forward to share their authentic stories involving mental health in front of a live audience. Please subscribe to our podcast, and we'd be very pleased if you would leave us positive and uplifting comments. Keep in mind, all original ICU Talk sessions are available on YouTube. And for more information, please go to icutalks.org. It's been a pleasure having you join us today.